Welcome to another episode of the Ask a CISO podcast, powered by Harangi, Asia's leader in cloud security. Every episode, you get insider tips and insights into current challenges and newest trends in cybersecurity from the world's best experts to help level up your cybersecurity career. Here's your host, Paul Hadji, to introduce today's guest. Welcome, everybody, to another installment of Ask a CISO podcast, where we are helping you guys navigate the tricky waters of cyberspace and get your ship where you want to go. I am your host today, Mark Fuentes, and I have a really, really exciting guest. Hopefully, I'm, I, as, as well as everyone out there, will be learning a lot of cool stuff today from our guest. I'd make it up myself, but I think I couldn't do it any justice, so I will just read the official bio of our guest, Melanie Grigno. She's joining us here today as, as the Vice President and Group CISO of Moralco, which is the largest power distribution conglomerate in the Philippines. She's uh, part of the executive committee of the ASEAN CIO Association. She's currently the chairman and president of the Women in Security Alliance Philippines, um, also pronounced WESAP, right, Amel? That's yeah, WESAP. All right. She's also the former cybersecurity leader of a big four auditing firm and the largest fintech in the Philippines. She's been cited as a 2022 influencer of the International Security Journal and has been recently cited by Technology Magazine, Energy Digital, and Cyber Magazine as a leading CISO among global cybersecurity leaders and a regular contributor in Women in Security Magazine in Australia. That's quite impressive already. I guess I could go on and say you've been in the field for about 15 years in cyber and IT governance, and she's joining us today to talk a little bit about OT. So welcome, Mel. I appreciate you giving us some of your time. Yeah. Hi, Mark. Good morning, and good morning to all of our online viewers. Yeah, glad to be in this good session. Morning, good morning. All right, all right. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. You know, for many years, a lot of us uh, in IT and IT security folks who have rarely really ventured into that OT space We've always largely considered it kind of a silo. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what's new and exciting in, in the OT space and, and what we can all get excited about. Okay, thank you for the question. Actually, that one is pretty interesting. I think majority of our viewers would really want to know what's really happening with the operational technology space. So actually, OT or operational technology work in, in silo for, for decades I would say, and the notion of of many is that it can survive um, in that safe state for even for the years to come. But with the call of um, Industry 4.0, which refers to the convergence of the physical and the cyber physical worlds, the proliferation of the IT and OT convergence vis-a-vis -vis digital transformation in the industrial control systems or ICS has also exposed global critical infrastructure assets to security vulnerabilities that could be disastrous, I would say, could have hampering consequences as it opens more doors to external entities and systems. So looking at a zero trust per se, it is more on the extensive security framework that requires all system users, including computing devices, to be continuously authenticated and authorized. 
prior to granting or maintaining access to the different systems and applications as well as data. Zero Trust operates under the notion of you know, least privilege principle, which translates to providing minimal system access to the extent of users and ICS operators being able to actually perform the required system functions. That's the point that I'm driving at here is zero trust is not a new concept. You know, when we talk about industrial control systems or operational technology, I know some of the, you know, I think older practitioners, I would say, they would say that it's actually very hard to undergo a zero trust journey within operational technology, but it's practically, we're not saying that we put the whole chunk of zero trust, right, into your OT. I mean, you need to do actually, you really need to understand the landscape. You need to do a risk assessment. You need to do asset prioritization. And then, and then slowly, little by little, you can adapt this this new framework within the cybersecurity space. So the ZT architecture is fortified by a combination of security technologies. So for those who have already you know, going through the IT and OT convergence route or journey, you can already integrate MFA and also strengthen your access management through IAM uh, solutions. Also crucial, right? I think even prior the adoption of Zero Trust is the network segmentation following the Purdue model. And then the next generation endpoint security operations, such as your uh, network firewalls, intrusion prevention systems, all of which are now actually available for ICS assets, actually, in most of the industry verticals. So I think in terms of cybersecurity, these are actually where, you know, cybersecurity within the context of operational technology would actually, you know, or, or would actually evolve or eventually transform. This, there's a couple of things you said there that are interesting to me. Like, number one, I mean, it's kind of generally accepted that with the IT, OT convergence, IT has kind of opened up new doors for attackers to access OT systems, mm -hmm. right? And ICS systems. <clears throat> but another thing you mentioned there, and it kind of spoke to me, was that there's that side of it. But on the other side, the, I, the OT, IT convergence is also, because of some of the security features of IT, has also allowed for for great advances in security technology into OT, such as enabling better better adoption of zero trust. You know, better adoption of different security features that you didn't use before. Is that would you say that's safe to say? Yes, because before the network in OT is really flat, right? And and not even all i would say power companies or energy companies have also adopted the purdue model but for those who would actually wanted to strengthen their cybersecurity and eventually go to the route of the industry 4.0 the more that they need to adapt zero trust hence my 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 comment earlier mark that maybe the older practitioners right they would comment like it's very hard to implement city right. within the OT right. space or never you can, you know, do it. But technically you can. It's just that you need to you need to do it by phases, right? And city yeah, right. would actually apply if you are really into a converged infrastructure, the more you need to apply the context of a zero trust. Yeah, because there's definitely a it's definitely changed the attack landscape, yes. right? Mm -hmm. 
for OT systems. No, you know, we, we've said it a couple times now. We've touched on it a couple times. Just for uh, a lot of us out there who are new to the concept, I'd like to drill down a little bit more into the OTIP, <clears throat> OTIP convergence. Maybe you could talk talk a little bit about that. Where do you think it started and where, where it came from? Just for our, you know, for our benefit. Okay, okay. So I think OT convergence, right? So that actually sums up practically their industrial IoT or IoT. So it emerged through the growing demands of of the customers for better user experience, right? Specifically when you are in the utilities um, segment. Why? Because the because these systems such as your SCADA, your standalone SCADA, ADMS, right? So they practically thrive within systems within utilities. Businesses have started to strategize to have better visibility on their data, enhance the system, and as well as look look at the ROI of the respective uh, applications or software while enhancing security and stability in the context of convergence in the IoT. We started to see new spectrum of, I would say, connected operations across industries and manufacturing companies. In the aim is actually to increase uh, the efficiency, improve service level agreements. Of course, together with that, we also need to look at the cost, need to look at lowering the cost, helping the management team to um, make better decisions in all aspects of your production line. So by joining the process control, measurement, and safety systems at the production sites with IT infrastructure, I would say industrial companies can achieve remote connectivity and access to real-time data, both of which are critical to you know maximizing the value. So this move is crucial to digital transformation, but unlocking the benefits can be difficult to achieve. So we've experienced that as well. Industrial companies are navigating through various, I would say, structural changes in response to the straight supply chains and continued um, continued global growth to actually meet the changing business goals. So practically, it's really driven by the business. I mean, you know, the IT-OT convergence. When you say when you say there are a amount of challenges to adopting the IT, you know, riding this ITOT convergence wave, would you say, you know, among people problems, technology problems, and process problems, which would you say take up the largest amount of those those challenges that you're talking about? Is it a people problem largely? Is it a process problem? Is it a, is it a technology problem? What do you think? Okay, uh, actually, Mark, that's a very tricky question. Um, because as far as people, process, and technology, they all have a fair share in the pie. So let me start off talking on the on the process per se. So I think one of the challenges there would actually fall under lack of process visibility. So very specific on the context of cybersecurity, right? I mean, in the older times, we really don't know. What's actually happening inside? What's happening inside the substation in your SCADA master line? Is there, you know, a suspicious process or a malicious process or a suspicious activity, right? That's actually actually performed by one of your OT engineers. We don't know that, right? So practically, we lack process visibility, right? And and because of that, we cannot uh, detect the soonest time, right, if if there are actually incidents already. And then I think part of that is 
part of your uh, process visibility, right? Vis-a-vis with that is actually assets, right? Because it's always like that. I mean, to me, assets and actually processes, right? They always go hand in hand. So if mm-hmm. you lack process visibility, right? So in most cases, right, there is also a high possibility that you there's also lack of asset visibility. Right. So yep. because it's That's practically right. the assets, you know, the components within your substations, right, your RTUs, or if you guys are still using PLCs, right? So right. or or I think worst case, right, if you're talking in the context of, of let's say a smart grid, right? So you wouldn't know if there is a rogue meter that's trying to connect to your network. Right. So so right. I think these are some of the areas of concern on the on the process side. Now on the technology side, well, so since there is really no visibility on processes on data, right? Hence there is also a lack of technology to really I would say implement or operationalize the detection mechanism as well as the containment mechanism within mm. within within your huge um, IT OT or converged infrastructure. So I think here I am referring also to your endpoint security. You can also look at you know intelligent SIMs or maybe others would call it an XDR already like in our case. Mm-hmm. We have really started and we're making pretty good progress on that, right? Like really having visibility through instituting uh, intelligent SIMs, right, through XDR to really integrate the the security platforms, right, within uh, uh, to actually integrate the security platforms within our intelligent SIMs. Not only that, but also get the security logs from the different applications and servers within your core infrastructure and then i think the next i would want to touch on people since we are already in the road of converging it and OT, right we need we need to ensure that there is actually knowledge exchange from all parties concerned right meaning right if you want to have visibility on your data Eventually, you would want to get into a point that you would have a very rich analysis and correlation, right? So that, let's say, from a cybersecurity perspective, you can real-time detect and contain. But others, from a business perspective, you wanted to have insightful data. So that's the reason why you wanted to actually open up the doors, right, of your rich data lake going to your IT. Why? Because practically, that's the job of your data scientist, right? But can you imagine if you have a data scientist who who doesn't even understand the processes, the components within the exactly. technology. So, like, what does yeah, data yeah. mean? Yes, like, yes. Yeah, what does that data yes, mean? So, I mean, that's going to be chaotic, right? I mean, it will, defeat, yeah, it will defeat the purpose in the same way from a cybersecurity perspective, like, like, like in our case, we do uh, we, we do knowledge sharing session. We do a lot of handholding to them, right? To these uh, OT experts. Why? Because we wanted them to have an appreciation of oh, so this is what's happening at the other side of the world in cybersecurity. Oh, 
I mean, these are, you know, some of the critical use cases, right? Some of the threats that we can actually, you know, uh, remediate, right? If we actually deploy right. a specific cybersecurity platform, let's say an OTIDS for that matter, right? Or let's say an IoT anomaly detection. So that being the case. So I think it's really about people, process, really, and technology. And I think the last one uh, revolving around uh, process and technology is the ability to test. Well, I mm -hmm. think uh, majority would actually agree with me on that because, you Definitely. know, coming up with a test environment within OT, right, it's actually very expensive, right? I mean, yeah. if you are just saying that, okay, I will just need to test this specific endpoint, right, regardless if this endpoint is a server or laptop, right? So that's quite easy, right? But really trying to do a testing, let's say, for an ADMS, something like that, or it's an right. outage management portal or system, right? In most cases, right. you leverage on the capabilities and resources of your service provider rather than creating your own. So hence, you see there, you know, limited testing. Why? Because every time that there could be releases, right, you do not have the luxury of time to really test. As compared to our IT environment, we do have the luxury of time, right? And you can test, right. you know, every now and then for as long as you like until you get the results that you wanted to implement to production. So I think those are some of the challenges. I think I hear when you when you talk about those challenges, it's funny to me because they all they're all age old problems of IT security, right? First of all, with the people, like when you said you have to you have to give OT people an appreciation of cyber. It's the same if you have to talk to a bunch of software developers or you have to talk to a bunch of crypto people. You you know they have that side expertise, and then you have to give them that cybersecurity kind of appreciation. So that's something we see on all fronts as well. And then when you talk about, well, you know, when you talk about XDR, you talk about, you know, automation and, and better better response, right? And putting in all of this great technology, the biggest challenge there is all of this, all of this uh, automation and all of this XDR stuff, it's not really going to work that great if you don't do the simple things right, like asset management, yeah. like data classification, if you don't do all these uh, things that people find a little less fun, then the XDR won't work as well as you would want. Yeah, you, yeah. It, it all depends on the, the basics, the foundation. Yes, stuff. because I think the key there is really how extensive, right, your implementation would be and how extensive would actually, you know, go back to your basic math equation, like your assets and processes. Exactly. Right. And, you know, I, my next question was actually all about what it means for security folks, but, you know, you just answered it right there. So I'm going to skip down the list. So we're talking about like the melding together of these two universes, the IT universe and the OT universe, which obviously would come with good things and bad things. Right. So maybe, so it's actually two questions. What is like the coolest thing you can think about when you think about OT IT convergence? And what is probably the, the most problematic thing? Mm, okay. I think what is good about a converged infrastructure is that it focuses on efficiency through streamlining of the different processes, improving your SLAs or you want to call it uh, OLAs, right? I mean, in the older times, they still call it OLAs, maybe during my age. Yeah. <laughs> it may also mean retooling or adapting new learnings, right? New technologies, new processes echoing from my prior explanation, coming from yep. both IT and OT and understand as well where cybersecurity is, which is an enabler towards a secure and stable end state. So what is that so good, I would 
rather say that rather than saying what's worse. So what is that so good, of course, is the legacy systems that we can no longer support, that we can no longer patch. If we can no longer patch, we can no longer secure, right? We have limited changes actually in terms of securing them, thus making it vulnerable. But I don't want to speak, actually, Mark, in absolute terms here. Yes, these uh, legacy systems could really be hard to to secure, but we can always think of alternative solutions to actually secure them. It may not be really like, you know, you can install an agent, right? But I think you right. can look at trying to monitor the traffic your east-west traffic, as well as your north-south traffic. So what I'm saying is, to me, my perspective is that it's not going to be a zero thing in terms of implementing possible cybersecurity controls, even when you are dealing with legacy systems. There is always a way. It's just that maybe the most ideal, right, or the targeted solution for that, we like you need maybe to do, let's say, a firmware tap or so. Maybe you can do that, right, because of technology limitation. Right. But you need to look at as a security leader or as a solutions architect per se, what is actually the surrounding components, right, that goes through it, right? Or let's say coming from that legacy system, it and then it connects to another system, right? So you need to look at securing the environment. If you cannot secure the target asset, right? So, because most ICS devices were designed to run fairly autonomously. I think us would actually agree to that. So performing uh, explicit uh, functions and require little to no maintenance, that's practically the mindset for decades, right? And that's how these intelligent systems were designed. But with this, yeah. uh, but with this emergence, OT needs to support new connectivity options, right? New connectivity yes. integrations over converged infrastructure, over converged networks, thus opens up your attack surface. Uh, examples are actually, you know, your access control systems such as your passwords were either non-existent uh, or mostly hard-coded are always left actually whatever is the vendor default password also the the connectivity combined i would say with the lack of ability to patch the the bugs or the vulnerabilities within the ics systems deployed in the field will also result could also result to possibly a remote code inje injection and authorized access and authorized yep. modification of the configuration those attack and many more so i think those are some of the good things and that's so good. One thing that you said, you know, you're talking about having to make perhaps find, and I, I totally agree with you. You said, you know, you don't want to call it the worst thing or maybe it's just a difficult thing is having to deal with systems that may become obsolete by these new advances, right? And then you also talked about how that's not really the end of the story, right? Sometimes, you know, you can, you can come up with different types of mitigations or other ways to secure these systems. And I think that's where we live, right? That's where a lot of us live, where we, you know, we really like to be in front of these unique problems, you know, problem bases. But I wonder, like, for some of these, and I've always wondered this about OT, um, when you talk about systems like this, systems that were designed to, you know, work autonomously, systems that were designed to, you know, it seemed to me that the, a lot of the attitude was to avoid patching avoid upgrades because of, you know, possible problems to the underlying systems, right? 
when when do OT people decide that okay okay this thing is uh, we have to absolutely build a brand new system for this like we have to we have to start from scratch and build a new system is is there something that that drives that um, that type of idea yeah well I think that realization will actually come in as influenced by the experts at digital transformation right and I think they've seen that I mean admittedly in in the tradition, in the older times of OT, there are actually, you know, very important things like, for example, what's the status of, let's say, this this nationwide blackout, right? I mean, are we nearing restoration or what's the, or I mean, in terms of restoration, like, where are we? Are we at even 50%, right? Or are we at, let's say, 80% and we anticipate, let's say, in the next hour that it that it's going to be 100% restored, the, you know, the compliance reports, right, that you need to furnish to your regulatory bodies, right? I mean, those reports, right, in the older times will actually take you so much time to do. I think even after now, for some of the organizations, if I'm not mistaken, right, it will take hours, right? But with this, right, with the context of, you know, trying to have real-time data, right, and then, you know, improving improving the customer experience where it you know, instead of like reverting back to your customers after three hours, after half day, you know, I mean, you can already revert to them in a matter of, I don't know, maybe like 30 minutes or so. If the, if the query is not that, is not that uh, difficult and, you know, data is there already, the information needed is there already, you know, in a matter of seconds, you can already provide them that information. So it's really about driving better customer experience, right? And really sure. about okay. getting insightful data. Why? Because if you, if you have, a very good customer journey. I mean, the experience per se, right? And mm-hmm. and and you have a rich analysis, right, of your data, wherein you can introduce, like you know, or in, or improve or introduce new services that will be beneficial to them because you can already analyze what's their typical behavior, what are their needs, what actually irate them the most. So those are the things that you may want to actually prioritize. And of course, it will boost, you know, your brand, right? Your image, the trust, and eventually your bottom line, right? So, you know, that's so, I don't, that's so surprising for me to hear. I, I It's not what I expected to hear from an OT person. I mean, this customer centric, I've always, I've always, I don't know, I guess it's not being ignorant of the field. I've always assumed that you had more of like an availability or services uh, services availability approach in, in OT, but I've never really thought that you guys really had this customer centric approach, this thing about, you know, creating a best, better customer journey. I don't know why, but I always felt yeah. like you guys were like, well, as long as they get their electricity, yes. they should be happy. Yeah, you know? yeah, true. But that's very interesting. Yeah. Do you remember the Do you remember the Infosec triad, the CIA, right? So CIA, uh, CIA, that's your confidentiality, integrity, confidentiality, integrity, availability, and of course, the non-reputation, right? You take away availability right. because availability is the typical mindset of an IT guy. Same mindset, right? More so, a stronger mindset if you're yeah. an OT guy, right? If you're an OT practitioner. It's yes. really about availability, availability, continuity of service, right? Regardless what it is. Right. But if you look at your and non-reputation, those are actually the core principles if you're a cybersecurity guy. But I think given 
these new business objectives. So there's really a push. Hence, the manner that organizations should actually craft their strategy, it has to be very well thought of. And there, there should be a strategy across, you know, or got, there has to be a technology strategy, organizational strategy, production strategy, and so forth. It's not only about technology. Or it's not old yet, but you know, I, I I feel like we could do an, an entire episode about this this exact subject matter. Very very fascinating to me. I, I that that threw me for a loop. But yeah, I, I don't see why it did. Now thinking about it, that makes sense. That there should be business drivers all the time. But yeah, let me just to, just to close it off. I, I have one last question about the OTIT conversions. So now we're seeing this blurring of the lines between OT and IT, and I was wondering in the future. <clears throat> Do you foresee that perhaps we'll erase that line altogether and OT and IT will just be one thing? Yes. Yes. Because that's the only that's the only way to go. Yeah. Because if you will not dive into the context of DX and DU, DX is really more of IT, e-commerce, right? Sophisticated payments. And you yeah. are in the manufacturing and uh, let's say power or even oil and gas, then... Um, maybe there's going to be something rough with the organization eventually. So it's really about driving innovation, data, and uh, customer experience, right? I think uh, all of this will actually come together, even the traditional companies, even though they don't like it. But, you know, I think slowly, you know, they will feel be the ones that, you know, kicking yeah, and screaming into it. They will yeah. feel that they, they are slowly going to that direction and of course it's so so after saying all of these nice things right so i think from a cybersecurity perspective there are also standards right wherein practitioners can actually um adapt i think my my personal take on the standard and framework i do like standards and frameworks but to me i don't do like a cup pasting so i i i try to read and understand the framework and the standards, right? And and then Definitely. and then I try to localize it. I put a local flavor on how it should best fit, right? In different things. How it should best fit in terms of the business objectives, how it will best fit in terms of my converged infrastructure and how it will best in terms of my risk appetite, this of this my culture as well. No, 100%. I think, you know, number one, I, you know, I mean, I've had this conversation with many, many uh, leaders as yourself. Uh, number one, standards and frameworks are just a place to start. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they shouldn't be cut and paste. You should not take them as for granted. You know, you should really think about how they fit best for your um, specific situation, right? And definitely anyone, you know, as a consultant, you know, I'm not going to lie. I do have a lot of customers who cut and paste standards. They take, they'll take on, you know, in the interest of time, or maybe they just don't care. They'll just take a bunch of templates and then throw them in the G drive somewhere and then forget about it altogether. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I do advise against that and I'm sure you do as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a hundred percent behind you on that. But we've reached, uh, we've reached kind of the top of the hour here. We're getting, we got to the, the end of the session. So maybe I'll just leave it to you. Maybe if some last words, anything if, if those those out there who are listening to us wanted to take one thing away from this session, maybe one uh, crucial message from you, Mel, what do you think? Well, I think a bit short on that. I think it's really about revisiting 
our strategies, right? For us to revisit our strategy, we also need to change our approach on the manner that we do the risk assessment. I mean, gone are the days where the traditional risk assessments on technology, regardless if it's enterprise IT or operational technology, we need to do data-driven risk assessment, right? And, and then from there, right, revisit our strategies. We need to calibrate our strategies. And a critical component in calibrating our strategies is really open mindset. Because if, yeah, right, I mean, if we do not, do not think objectively, if you are not open to the fact that, you know, these components, these segments are actually evolving, then any initiative would actually have a hard time to, you know, to succeed. No, definitely 100%. Adapt or die, right? Yeah. Adapt or die. Wow. That's, yeah, that was a great session. I, you know, again, I can think of a couple more. I'd, I'd love you to come back, you know, give us a little bit more, uh, a little bit more from, from the great mind of Mel Maguino. That would be great. As for everyone out there, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.